It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who faces, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the greatest enthusiasms, knows in great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while doing daring greatly, so that this his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> so I uh, did something a little bit different today. I usually start out with, hey, hey, welcome to the Iron Soul Podcast. But I decided to write or quote uh, the Theodore Roosevelt uh, or say the Theodore Roosevelt quote that's in my office in the sense the reason I did that is because you're a black belt mm. in jujitsu. Yeah. My friend and professor. Mm -hmm. I like using that word for some reason when I, when I talk about you, cause yeah. it seems, it seems clingy, but it does a little <laughs> bit. Right. But like teacher instructor, yeah. like it just seems like when I had Trevor on and we talked about like PhDs and stuff, like when you get to your black belt in jujitsu, it's a, it's a, that's a deal. Yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah. So I just I like calling you professor. Yeah, you can. I mean, jujitsu, as far as like most martial arts, I would say is like pretty informal. Um, sometimes you bow on and off the mat or you might like some places you do call him professor. Right. But most schools that I've trained at, um, it's pretty informal. Like you don't have to be and like the respects there because, you know, that person has trained a long time. You can roll with them and see their skill level watch them teach and stuff like that. So you don't need to be called like grandmaster, you know, so anything like why that. do you think that is different with jujitsu than it is like with fucking karate or Kung Fu or I think, you know, like all martial arts have like older origins. And I think sometimes what it happened like over time is that they get watered down or like, I mean, in high school I took a very traditional like Okinawan martial art. And, you know, at some point the Japanese had banned the Okinawans from having weapons. So then right. you get like size and these different, like the trident, um, the bow staff, these different tools for fighting because they couldn't have swords. And then eventually, like at some point, like Marines, American Marines got stationed over there and then, you know, they learned some of it and then they brought it back to the States and uh, things get changed. So some stuff's probably passed on by katas, but if you're not doing actual like physical sparring, then it's hard to gauge like what's effective and what's not. Right. So I think in jujitsu, like if you look at even wrestling coaches, like a lot of times, like you go to high school wrestling coach, they're probably pretty good in high school. Maybe they wrestled in college. And then it's the guy, you know, he's like a little bit of a belly. He's probably not really working out, but in jujitsu it's different because you know, I'm a lot older, sometimes twice as old as a lot of the students. Right but I'm still out there rolling and training. So right. sometimes I think a lot of martial arts, you have like the grand master might come in and show a move every once in a while, but that's it. Where that's in jujitsu, like, you know, everyone's trying to 
kick my ass too. You know, right. it's like, and I'm older. So it's like, it's very different than I think a lot of other martial arts. Okay. So, um, there's, there's, there are a few listeners from the school, but there's also a lot of listeners out there that don't know you or, um, that follow me through, uh, my family, probably like maybe five other people. Yeah. So Jill, um, the two kids, yeah, three exactly. kids. <laughs> That's, That's four. That's four. And my mom. And you. <laughs> so, um, hi mom. Hi mom. Um, when did you, all right. So I should say this first. Matt Thompson is one of the owners of, uh, rivers jujitsu, um, black belt. His wife's Heidi's a black belt. And then there's Trevor who's been on the show. Whose last name is the, um, name of the gym, but the, all three of them are partners at the gym. Uh, when, oh shit, how do I start this? When did you decide that jujitsu was the thing that you wanted to do? Um, I was uh, stationed, I was in the air force and I was stationed overseas in Germany and it was probably like, I want to say like 95, 97 around that time. And like people had heard of the UFC, like the very first one or two, when did that come out? Like 93, 94, 93, 94. Yep. So we hadn't seen it because at that time, um, there was no, like there was the internet, but no one really used it. Like people might email, but it was like not the internet, you know, today. So they did have TV, um, like a armed forces network, mm-hmm. but most of the shows were like very, like months behind. Right. And there really wasn't like HBO. There wasn't a way to get like any kind of pay-per-view event. So someone had sent over mail to a friend, the VHS tapes, like a copy of those fights. And then I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like that makes sense to me because if you're a smaller person and it's a bigger person, like if you both just swing fists, like the bigger person probably win unless you have like a huge, like striking like background. Um, but when I saw it go to the ground, I was like, that really made sense to me, like just logically. And I was like, I would like to learn like that eventually. And then over the years, of course, it's like, except for like in LA and a few other places, very hard to find schools. And then as we moved around, um, like I tried Japanese jujitsu. I did that for a while. That was probably the closest thing I could find, but it's very like stylized. There is some sparring, but it's like a different emphasis. And then eventually when um, I was stationed in New Jersey, I found a school and it was probably like just over an hour drive, depending on where I work. Um, Cause I used to teach and we'd be out in the field and then that drive. So I drive quite a bit. And then the guy that Heidi and I got our purple belts from, he was um, probably like 20 minutes from our house. And then that's who we originally did. So here's something that I don't know. I usually ask you a lot of questions when we're off air and just hanging out. Yeah. How did, how did you guys decide that you were going to train together? Because you're the same Heidi and I, yeah, you and Heidi. So originally like, you know, when we got into it, like we're looking more for felt like Mm self-defense. And so Heidi had tried, there was like a martial arts school. I don't know if it was Taekwondo, but it was something along that lines. And if you notice, like a lot of schools like that, they usually don't have like a big adults program. Um, You know, it's a lot of times geared toward kids. So she was doing that. And then I was like, hey, I really want to try jujitsu. Like I always wanted to try it. And um, it was like in this building when I first signed up and it was literally just brick walls. There was like no air in it. And people just like murdered you. (laughs) Like it was terrible. They didn't care. And it was like 
purple belts were like brown belts today. There were, okay. I think, like two purple belts in the school. There was a brown belt, but he would come and go. And then there, there were actually two black belts, but one taught part-time and then one was the owner. Okay. And he taught two. And so I did it for probably like six months and I was like, you should try this. Like, and so she started, um, probably, um, like about six, eight months after me. And I had that guy had opened up a school near us and he was a retired cop and he was just pretty much like straight self-defense. His background was like, uh, kind of a health and Gracie lineage. Okay. So she started it and there was, um, a couple of, uh, women in there too that were like married to people who trained. So we're kind of close to the, so it was a little group kind of close to the same age and then experienced, uh, their wives were white belts kind of starting out and then it just took off from there. So that's pretty cool that you guys basically started at the same time. And we did. progressed. Yeah. Pretty closely. Right. Mm -hmm. We did. Yeah. And like when I was in the military, like I had deploy or whatever. So she was still able to train and then, I wasn't always able to. So like the timeline, you know, pretty much balanced out. Was she in the air force too? Yeah, she was in the air force. She got out before me. Okay. And then, so when she was in, we, that's how we met. We we're both paramedics together. And then when I moved to Jersey, she did a civilian job, like finished that out and then moved up there. And then she did, she finished up her accounting degree and that's what she okay. does now. So you, you were in a little bit longer. I was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you started because you want, you fell in love with it. Why'd you stay with it? What's, what's the, I mean, like, you know, we, we talk about that a lot, right? Like for me, like I think, um, like I get, uh, bored pretty easily. I say like, like if a book I'll finish it, but unless it's like super interesting, I'll like, I'll just put it away. Or if it's a series, I might read the first couple and then, and same with like a TV show or whatever. So, very few things have really held like a lot lasting interest. And I think because um, some things like you could master it or there's an end, but jujitsu, uh, like you can see like the Danaher videos and stuff, right. kind of like um, the way he approaches it. And it's like, I've trained for 13 years and I'm like pretty amazed by some of the content that comes out, you know, from a lot of these people. So it's like a never ending journey. So really like a black belt is, I know it's kind of cliche, but it is the beginning because I have like, I'd say a black belt level. I have a good understanding of my game mm -hmm. in the basics, but there's like so many avenues to explore with it and it never ends. So with being one of only three black belts in our school, how do you continue to achieve more and more within like to grow and learn that? How do you, you, do you understand what I'm like? Yeah, I think because like when you look at growth, of course, in the beginning, you're going to have like a huge amount of growth because mm -hmm. you don't know anything. And so your first class you're taught, I mean, it could be anything, but just for example, like trap and roll. Mm -hmm. So that's like a hundred percent of what you've learned. And then over six months now you've had side control. Arm. So you're like, it's just like a huge amount of growth. So at the, after you've been doing it years, it's like small increments. And what I do a lot, like sometimes I think when I roll with lower belts, like give up position mm -hmm. and then work like defense and stuff like that. And then always trying something new. So if I'm like, I want to work, um, like a single leg takedowns kind of like we went over this week. 
So if I want to work like a new entry on a single leg takedown, I'll, I'll get it and then I'll work it on some lower belts just to see if I can get it to work. And then over time, you know, working on higher belts. And then once I get it down for myself, like it's something I could teach, or maybe I'm like, Hey, I learned that worked on it. I just don't think it's like viable to teach. Okay. So your is your mind always thinking about jujitsu for the most part about jujitsu and the school and trying to yeah, grow and learn quite and- a bit. I mean, because I mean, as we've grown over time, cause at first you start off with like one student at first you start off with none, like the lot, the mats were in the parking lot. I'm like, you know, you invest this money and you're like, okay, here we go. Like, let's try it. But it's something we wanted to do. So then like over time, like as you grow, you start to think about students. And now it's um, now, you know, the number of students we have now, it's like you watch them and I'm like, I'm like, oh, like Andrew could really work on his takedowns, Mm -hmm. you know, or someone else could work. So you watch these people over years. So now we've been open long enough that we're starting to have um, upper belts. Well, yeah, you have a brown belt now. So we have a brown belt. And then for Trevor, um, Heidi and I were his first black belts. And some schools, what happens a lot of times is, especially in the military and people move around. So Rich did train, like he's our first uh, brown belt. So he did train at some other places before, and then his job took him here mm-hmm. um, with work, and then he started training with us. So was he a white belt? He, when he was started? a white belt, but he was relatively close to blue. Okay. Um, for Heidi and I, because the first year it was just me and Heidi before we met Trevor. So when we looked at um, promoting people, I wanted to make sure like someone can do a basic break ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think our self-defense standard was pretty high from the background that we had. And can you just do basic punch defense, you know, stuff like that. Now the curriculum's a lot bigger and there's three of us teaching it, but that was kind of like our core curriculum back then. Okay. More self-defense. Yeah. More self-defense. Like, can you get out of Mount? If someone's trying to punch you, um, if someone grabs your wrist, like you shouldn't have to really think about it at some point. Like you should like kind of understand that mechanic. So for rich, when he came over and especially being a sheriff, I wanted to make sure like he had that background. So probably after maybe a year, I can't remember exactly like we promoted him to blue. Okay. And how do you decide as a new school owner, right? Yeah. That you're like, how do you do promotions? How do you work that stuff? Like, cause you have to have some sort of a game plan opening up, like how this is what we decide. And yeah, under our, so our old instructor, when we moved out here, um, cause we have family, um, Heidi's family is like in Overland park. Uh, my dad and his wife are up in Nebraska. So when we moved here, we talked to our old instructor, like we wanted to get approval cause you want to have a lineage. You just right. don't want to just, especially because we're, um, we're just purple belts when we started. So we wanted to keep in contact with him and Heidi had traveled back. You know, she'd go out there and train cause she traveled back for work. And so when we opened, we, uh, we just went back to him. So when we promoted like rich, for example, the blue belt, I said, Hey, I have this guy, this is his background. Like this is, you know, and then he knows like we'd train long enough to be a judge of like, if someone's a blue belt and then we promoted another Jesse, you know, Jesse, he got his blue belt through us. So he was like several months after rich. And then after that, I don't think we promoted any other colored belt. So under the certificate, it was under our old instructor. Um, Pat Vacanti was okay. his name. So he kind of like you would you would present the information, yeah, and, 
and tr- he would trust what you guys right. thought, but he still has to sign off because yeah. he's the he's and, the black belt. And it's important too because if you ever go um, some organizations, it doesn't matter, but with a larger organization like IBJJF, you have to have some kind of lineage. So there's like for us, it's Gustavo now. Okay. So he has he has the authority to allow us to compete underneath him because he's trained so long and stuff like that. So for us on that side, it was our instructor. And then above him was the Miglerese brothers. And then above them is Helson Gracie. So it's like they have, you know, if you want to go to these bigger venues or say you move somewhere else, at least they can say, Oh, here's your lineage. Okay. Like where you learned it from. Cool. So, Um, so then was it strange is not the right word, but like you meet Trevor yeah kind of someone introduced you i think is yeah is the key and then like fuck it let's go in together yeah so we met um we had like a mutual um some mutual students or mutual friends like some people would train at his place come over to ours and there are actually two uh federal marshals that trained i think they worked out of topeka and one trained with us and his partner trained had trained with trevor and then Trevor was uh, teaching out of a CrossFit gym and he basically was looking for, you know, another space or whatever. Cause they were pretty much, I guess, going just to like straight CrossFit at the time. So we ended up um, meeting through a mutual friend. We went out, um, like had dinner and then he had more of a competition background and we we're more self-defense. So we just decided to like put it together and he's, he had trained quite a bit longer. I forget how long he's been at black belt, but quite a bit longer than us. And then we talked to our old instructor. I was like, Hey, you know, we met this guy. We're thinking about doing a school. And he's like, that's cool. You know, do what works for you. Cool. And then we'd like put everything together. And initially like we pretty much Heidi and I taught like the self-defense and uh, that kind of curriculum. And Trevor taught probably more of like a compass, a competition style, like stuff like lasso guard and stuff like along those lines, which, I had never really learned. So it was a good experience and we pretty much taught the basics. And now it's kind of like a melding. We, before COVID, we did have like a fundamentals class, which, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to like hit those fundamentals, you know, at least like once or twice a week for everyone. And then Trevor would teach, like he taught kind of the same series over a longer period of time mm-hmm. where I try to like run through the curriculum, like change it up weekly. And sometimes Trevor will teach maybe a week, but usually kind of like, more two weeks like okay. for the stuff he's teaching so did you do competitions before meeting trevor we or? did um and because we didn't have like a competition background or a competition school like heidi and i would literally be like hey next weekend there's a competition like no prep or training we did a couple as white belts and then a couple as blue and like my first one it was literally like there's an affiliate school um, to the school that we trained at in Jersey. And it was actually like, it almost seemed like a big house and there was some mats on the ground and there was like a crowd of people around and it was Nogi. Cause it was just like old school. Like mm-hmm. they're just like, it's Nogi, bring your stuff. And I just like went at it with some guy for a while. And I was like, I lost. And I was like, <laughs> Holy shit. Like what happened? Like that was crazy. <laughs> There's a, I have a video of it somewhere. I have to find it. But, uh, it was like super intense and cause you don't know what to expect. Now you can look up stuff online and be like, right. Oh, like you're going to compete in AGF coming mm-hmm. up. So you could be like, okay, I'm over 40. I can look at the 
masters or senior division, find a white belt, (laughs) but you can see someone like it's grown so much. You can find other guys in your group, Mm -hmm. like training or competing. Cause you say, Oh, like I can see what kind of takedowns or what that game's like at my level and age and weight where before it just wasn't like that. There wasn't a lot of people like out there. It was just starting to grow. Okay. And I think like, even like geese now there's thousands of gee companies or different styles back then. There was probably like five, five and probably just it was like gameness, Atama, like Vulcan, I think. And then there's some that have like gone away. Okay. What's your, um, what's your favorite part about jujitsu? Um, man, it's like, I'd say my favorite part. Like I just like the learning and how it never ends. And well, on the other side too, I like teaching because it's like you can take someone like you bring him into class and you're like, all right, like hold mount on this blue belt that's trained for two years and they can't do it or have that blue belt get on top of them. Someone that's only trained like not very long, maybe two years because it's like when it comes to self-defense, you can't get out from under them, but they can hold you down and it'll be like a smaller person too. Right. That's holding down the bigger new student. So it's like fascinating, like that little bit of technique can work. You know, it's like, it's almost like a mystical kind of. So what, what is your favorite part about, uh, like, is it that teaching piece, like seeing a, a student grow or what's the, what's the favorite part of like being an instructor? And I do like, I like, because when I was in the military, like I got out and then I was a contractor and I taught, like I taught for many years. Um, I taught like medical stuff to people who weren't medics. So like how to put on a tourniquet, how to open a litter, um, how to call in for like medical support. Because if you're a lawyer and you go out and deploy, you could still have to go out to a village to work on legal issues or, you know, every job could be on a convoy. So they had to learn like a basic skill set. So I really like, I'd always like teaching. And I think with like jujitsu, you know, People do it for different reasons, but like watching them grow, you know, within the art. And I think like, it's kind of like, I don't know, it will always have like an impact on you as a person. So you watch Mm -hmm. someone over the years and they will change some, not very much, some a lot, but I think if they stick with it, like it'll change you a little bit. So what's it been like for, so Rich trained a little bit, but, but him being your longest student and kind of watching him grow like is that like i know this i don't want to be sentimental or yeah, yeah like that but that that's pretty cool yeah it's cool and it's um they say like if you look at most people that would make purple belt most people will go on to become a black belt most they do drop off a little bit and then brown belt honestly from brown to black is not is not too too long usually i would say on average it's probably like two to three years maybe two to four but some people are literally a brown belt, like in their own, they're pretty much black belt level. Right. I mean, it varies from like what your goals are. If you're a competitor, your affiliation, I mean, there's a lot of variables, but I'd say like two to four is average because you're like, once you're brown, you're there really. I mean, yeah. there's not like a it's lot. Just more just putting in time and but yeah, with Rich, he was, um, it was funny too. Cause when I first met him, like we hadn't even opened cause it must've been 2014, like in that winter. And we we're like getting the space. We had to renovate it. It was like a like an older space. And then I think the mats were actually like they delivered them because you got to get them freight in the parking uh, lot. Right. And so I was like working like 
carrying him upstairs. And then Rich and his wife pulled up in the parking lot. And he's like, hey, are you guys? I think I just, I hadn't even like sent out the website, but I'd been making it. So it like showed up or something. Because he's like, I was looking for a long time for a place to train. Are you guys going to have a school? And I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, you can just train for a little while. Like, I'm just trying to get the mats down. So I think like I didn't even charge him for like the first month or whatever. You know, we just tried to like work through that stuff. That's cool. So So yeah. Creepy that he was kind of stalking you. Yeah. It's stalker. (laughs) And then it's like, he stayed with it. That's awesome. Cause it's like, I don't know how many schools like that very first person that walks through your door is still training with you. Right. Cause usually they move on. Like, yeah. Move life happens. Marriage, kids, years. Years. Yeah. Years. So I can't like, how long has he been training? Like six years. And then he trained before. Um, yeah. So to watch him grow, like he did a lot in, because of his job in law enforcement, uh, like I always harass him. I know he probably won't compete because like he's worked in the jail and stuff like that. And it's like, you actually have to use that stuff, you know, right. like stand up, like taking people down, whatever it is. And, uh, he competed a couple times and did really good, but he always, like, he's a super motivated guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to, whatever he sets his mind to, he'll do. And it's like, you know, he's kind of like, you know, he's a Jocko fan. So he's like, yeah. just like you, bro. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Discipline equals freedom. That's right. But that's like his mentality. Like he's going to post his workouts online and like, mm-hmm. you know, positive guy motivated. Okay. He Do doesn't you, make excuses, stuff like that. Do you think law enforcement should be trained in jujitsu? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's an important role because, um, you know, if you, if I don't know how to defend myself at all, not even being law enforcement, and I carry around a gun and then I get into some kind of altercation. If I feel like my only way out is to shoot someone, then that's what I'm going to do to survive. Right. But if you have other tools and it builds confidence because you're a lot stronger and bigger than me. I mean, our weight class is probably within 20 pounds, but uh, maybe 10 now you've been cutting. Ah, that's right. uh, <laughs> And I am stronger. You are stronger for <laughs> sure. Like I, I can't lift that much. I think for me, it's just like my strengths in like core and like aligning everything. But to bench like yeah dude i put on a 45 on each side the other day <laughs> like <laughs> oh, my, this is heavy. my shoulder sore <laughs> but i think you know you like you learn how to use that mechanic so you don't have to be super strong because you know yeah. when you came in like i just rolled you around a little yeah. bit you know it's like <laughs> and you're like so weird because you're this big strong guy like mm-hmm. power lifter and you're like this like just dump me over or you know you rolled with heidi the other saturday oh my god she and it's like strangled me all yeah over it's again. like weird like the mechanic and stuff and so I think if you have that, um, like ability, cause you know, of course, like weapons and things change everything, mm-hmm. but if you have that kind of ability in your body, even if you're smaller or older or whatever, um, then it gives you like a kind of confidence to handle that stuff. And they have their own, they have like laws and stuff that they have to follow. So like a lot of police departments, they can't do, um, uh, strangleholds right. like what's a cry. So um, it just depends on the verbiage and the law in the area because before I got out, like I worked the squadron I worked with was a bunch of cops. So I was uh, a okay. medic for a cop squadron. So, and in the military, the cops, their roles and jobs can be very different, but they still, at some level, they're still out there on the street or the gate or whatever, you know, pulling over drunks or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It'd be a re- weird system change to, um, to have to get cops to a certain level with jujitsu because it's like takes so much time right yeah and so the training would be have to be so much longer for them in this day and age yeah and i think um a good example is like army combative so because one of the programs that i was a medic for 
in the Air Force that's called the Ravens, and they're all cops. And they basically are cops that guard aircraft that aren't at a regular secured flight line. So say you're in the Horn of Africa, there's a strip of land, you're going to land some C-130s there, cargo, whatever. And but there's no airport or anything because it's like a remote area. So those cops will they're going to stand on the ground and guard that aircraft. So for them, they need like a little bit more combative. So at that time, I don't know how it is because this was like many years ago. But at that time, they had pretty much adopted the Army Combatives program. And so with that program, it's a you know, it teaches some good basics. But if you like so many things, you just get a certificate. But if you don't train it and this is with law enforcement, too, so you're certified on something. But if you don't do that regularly, like that's a perishable skill. Right. And with that, and that was one nice thing because when I went there, like all the cop instructors, um, they liked jujitsu too. And I was a medic, so I trained jujitsu. So we, we would like, after they taught a class, because I would do the medical standby for injuries, after they taught a class or whatever, like we would just roll. So it was cool. And we'd just roll in our uniforms. Like we wouldn't, we'd take off our boots, which is almost like a gi. Right. So we <laughs> would, true. we would like run through the basics. So I went through like that army combatives program and it has, I mean, it's a good program. It's just that, you know, cause we get a lot of, we have like a lot of veterans. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't use that regularly, like you're, you know yeah. how it is. Like you've been trained, you come very yeah. consistently. Yeah. And even for you, I'm like trap and roll and it's hard. You know what I mean? Like, especially because, <laughs> so and you know what it is. So it's like, if you're not like, I think honestly, like they should be like, you know, a weekly, just like you want to be physically fit. Like if you're obese, you really don't have, shouldn't be in law enforcement in my problem. If you're obese, you can't get out of your car. It's a struggle. You're more likely to do something too, because you're not in shape. Yeah. So cause you're, you're, like, la- you're lazy. Yeah. Cause you know how so it is. Someone's holding things. you down. You're out of breath. Like it's exhausting. Yeah, so I think things. like part of, you know, even in the military, like there's a standard and I was in the air force. So it's like, you know, so there's definitely like, <laughs> so it's a little yeah, lower in the yeah. Air Force. And if you're like a, <laughs> if you're a doctor in the Air Force, they just want you. So yeah, you get a waiver or whatever. <laughs> you have to do one push up. But still, like we had to run like a mile time, um, for my height. Like I would be overweight actually now, at least the old standard. So I'm right. like five eleven. I think my max was like one ninety five, something like that. So oh, if geez. you're over the limit, you can get a waiver. If they like, if you're really muscular, they'll measure your neck and waist. They do some standard, but for the most part, like you don't want to go through that hassle, but I don't, I mean, and I don't know what like civilian law enforcement, like what their standard, but of course, like, you know, a martial art, like some kind of grappling skill, and then you're in shape. Like that should just be a standard. That should totally just be the standard. And it's weird. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you see like so many overweight people and it's a bad, it's too bad too, because you know, we have like several law enforcement to train our school. And they're all in excellent shape. Excellent shape. They yeah. all train. You know, it's like, so yeah. I don't know how common it is, but you know, when you're like driving around, you're like, oh, that dude's obese. Like, could he even unholster his gun? Right. Well, it's, but it's like society, right? Like, yeah. they're just another marker of like, yeah, society true. Stands, right? Yeah. Like, we're just a fat society. Yeah. Doesn't care. I mean, you're getting a little leaner. Yeah. A little leaner. You're looking all right. Let's we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens, right? <laughs> Two months, two months, two months. Um, so did you do sports in high school or shit like that? Um, the other thing I really liked was the thing I did in high school, which was swimming. Oh, that's so because my dad was in the military, um, a long time ago, the military, they used to move you like every three or four years. So when I went to high school in Florida, the, I joined the swim team and I was like, this is awesome. Okay. Do you still swim at all? 
man, I haven't swam in a long time. I need yeah. to go find a pool. Well, I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. yeah. But I did occasionally, but I always liked that. Of course, like the fly, I don't think it, the fly and freestyle, I was good at that, but I don't think I could do the fly now with my shoulders. Uh, probably not. Cause it takes like mobility <laughs> yeah. and like, it's like the hard, it took me like, so I started in the 10th grade and then by my senior year, I got the fly down to where I could be competitive with it. But it's, it's very, cause it's one, like man. a rhythm to it mm -hmm. and to coordinate your kick and your, um, like your upper arms. I love that. My sister did that one. Yeah. I love that one. So yeah, I did the, I was competitive at the hundred fly and then freestyle on well, the Olympics. They don't do a 50, but, uh, they have a 50 and a hundred in high school. So did you join the military cause your dad was in the military and that was, kind yeah, of like was expect I, I fucked around a lot in high school. Um, so when I looked at my option, it was like I could work like fast food and go to community college or join the military. And I did look at the other branches. So I looked at, um, at the time, like what jobs I could get. Cause I, I really did like the medical field. Um, I think I wanted to do like x-ray technician or something like that. And I looked at the jobs and, um, like, you know, I, things have probably changed now, but they, I think, I don't know if I got guaranteed medical, but it was just like the most promising thing. And mm -hmm. I really didn't, you know, like Ben is, did the Navy and stuff and he actually was never on a boat. And right. But I think for me, like I was like mm, stuck on a boat for six months. I don't know. And like, <laughs> and I did want to travel cause I actually knew a lot of exchange students growing up. And so I had friends, um, like in different places in Europe and stuff like that. So I was like, it would be so cool, like to get over in Europe and like just travel. And cause some people like they never really leave like their area where they grew up right. or their hometown. And I think like, if you don't do that a little bit, like it's hard for you to understand like other cultures and people. So traveling, I tried like when I was overseas, I tried to travel and hang out with like locals and stuff like that as much as I possibly could. Okay. Um, your parents are divorced. Yeah. Where did that? Cause your mom's English, correct? Yeah. My mom's from England. So she came over, I can't remember what year, but she originally came over. Um, and there was a position for her to work as a, with like basically a nanny, but there, it was a sign language. Oh. So I was talking to Rachel too about it. And she said, actually like in England, they're like the way they signs very different because it's, I guess, uh, ASL American sign language, right. whatever that yes, yep. institution is. So in the States it's different. So my mom, when she came over, she learned to sign and she nannied for this family. And then in working there, um, she, her, uh, my aunt, she, uh, she knew she got married to someone in the Air Force out of base, wherever they were at. And then through like mutual friend or whatever, I can't remember how they met exactly, but my dad and her like met and then they got married. And then my dad was actually like, he did, um, cause my grandpa was in the army and then my dad was, uh, and this was in Nebraska. So my dad was, um, I think he was army national guard. And then a position opened up and then he became, he joined the air force and then, uh, like he did like 30 years or something. I can't remember. Wow. Yeah. What it, Oh God, so many directors. Um, where's your mom live now? She's in Alabama now. She's in Alabama. Yeah. 
so she retired and then pretty much like built a house there. Okay. And does she still have her English accent? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like growing up, I, uh, like I could never hear her accent or really my aunts, but everyone else can hear it because I think I grew up with her. But like on, if we listen back to this podcast, like if I heard a recording of her voice, I could hear hear it. it. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know why, but maybe it's like when you hear like Phil Collins or someone sing, like you don't pick up the accent always, but if they talk and the same thing, like Bert, you know, Bert has like a pretty thick accent and he's always like, good day, mate. (laughs) But it's like his accent is, um, like I think over time, like it would die down for us because we see, but when I first met him, I was like, I was pretty thick, like Australian, like Aussie accent. And, uh, so my mom and aunts and them, like, I really couldn't hear their accent, but uh, like my uncles and stuff, if they visited, I could hear theirs. So I don't know. I'm sure like some linguists could like point out why. So she, so she, why Alabama? I'm confused. What's an Alabama? Um, so like my parents, when they were in, uh, they were stationed in Florida and then just like property value, okay. like a place to live. Okay. So she, do you ever get down there? Um, I've been down there a couple times. I've been, when I traveled, um, when we first moved here, like we stopped down there and, uh, visited for a little while. Same, same with my dad. Like, I mean, he's like in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's like, so we'll go up there, but you know, it's just like time and they have their own lives. You're busy with the fucking school, man. Yeah. And now COVID. So traveling's like COVID, man. Um, okay. So she didn't, does she ever go back to England or is there any reasons? No, like at a time, like when my grandma died, she went back and that was like a long time ago. But, um, I can't remember the last time she was back, but most like a lot of the aunts and uncles, they're di- they're dead. Cause she yeah. came from a large family of like nine kids or something. Oh, crazy. I can't remember, yeah. but, um, some of them stayed in England. Some of them moved around and then a lot, I mean, they're getting older cause I think she was one of the younger sisters or yeah. So, um, a lot of them are deceased. Yeah. Do you have a, a brother? Sister. Sister. Where yeah. she live? She lives, um, let me think. Cause she's moved around too. She, <laughs> she just <Whatever>. moved. <laughs> yeah. Cause she, she just moved, um, to New Mexico actually with okay. her husband. Okay. So they moved cause I think they were in Atlanta and then I think his work or something took him. So pretty close family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty close. Like non that's what happens when you're in the military. Like you move around so yeah. you like tend to Wherever move. she is now. Yeah. Um so it's yeah, they just moved to New Mexico for uh to be closer to his family. Did you so, hate did you hate moving all the time? Man, it was really weird because I think like sometimes it's nice to just move and it's like a new place to explore, check out stuff. And wherever cuz I lived in you know, a lot of different places in the country. So each place, like when I was a kid, I did live in Alabama. Like there was a base there yep. and then in Jersey. So of course, from New Jersey to Alabama, the political views, like all the things you think about. And so I lived in California too. Oh my God. And Texas. So you can say like, Oh yeah. Like, um, I can really appreciate like the differences and every place has, of course there are good and bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then of course, and then you develop your like own viewpoint on stuff. So I would say I wasn't conditioned so much by the place that I grew up in or like, like, where does my accent? Like some people say, Oh, you kind of sound like you're from the Midwest. Like when I was in Jersey or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's like how they hear you talk and stuff. Okay. Um, do you like Kansas? I love Kansas. It's awesome. 
I like Lawrence the best. Okay. Because, well, like, being sarcastic. No, I no, do. You do like it? Yeah, I do. Um, I really like uh, the food. And, of course, like, Lawrence is, like, it's really nice because it's a diverse town. And I think because of the college, you know, anytime right. you live in, like, a college town, it's, uh, you know, you get... Because for the population, if you look at, like, for example, the restaurants, there's, um, like, a lot of diversity here. Mm -hmm. But if you go to another town that doesn't have a college with this, uh, like, size of population, you're probably just going to get, like... Pizza and burgers. Pizza and burgers. Maybe Italian. And, what like, I think, like, I went up to visit in, like, Seattle and stuff, um, like, years ago. And I always liked that, like, you know, little shops and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I mean, at the time, that was kind of, like the culture in Seattle. I don't know how much it's changed now, but it was, um, I always liked that kind of vibe. Like I was like, Seattle's pretty cool. You know, I had friends up there and stuff. And when, when we did, we were looking at moving and we wanted to like be closer to family. And my dad was out here and Heidi's mom and sister, you know, she hadn't seen them pretty much since she, maybe vacation, but since she'd been in the military and stuff. And, uh, so that's why we decided to move to Kansas. And then um, her mom in Overland Park was like, hey, you guys should check out Lawrence. Like, it's a really good place and a town to live. And also, like, affordability because, like, Overland Park, it's much more expensive than, you know, to, I mean, we live, oh, like, yeah. rurally. But if you're looking for a house and, uh, you know, we didn't want to spend a huge amount on a home and, you know, try to open up a school. And initially we didn't know with the school, like, how much like it would just be a part-time thing mm -hmm. or how much um we would do because initially we didn't have kids classes i just taught like mornings and evenings and like i said earlier like you start with like one student or whatever and then you're like is this gonna make it is it viable is it a part-time so at the time when we first moved here i was using my, my gi bill and doing um so when you you know, being older and you go back to school, like if you take anatomy and physiology, it's only good for like so many years. Right. Algebra, which is like the worst subject. It's oh, like, yeah. So they, uh, when I was, I was going back to do my nursing degree and uh, I was taking all the prerequisites. And so at that point, like, you know, it pays like a stipend, the GI Bill, mm -hmm. whatever, part of the 9-11 program. And uh, so I was going to school full time and then she was, Heidi was working full time and because we moved in all the transition, um, her job was remote, but it was, she was still like working out all that stuff. You know, it's like a lot of work. And then, so we didn't do any kind of kids class and then over time we grew. So, you know, it's just what we wanted to do. So did you always want to, like, as soon as like you reached a certain part in your jujitsu, uh, uh, story or whatever the fuck we call it. Um, yeah. You want to be like, Hey, I want to open a school. Yeah, I think like when we probably first got our purple belts, um, you know, it's really purple belts, the first advanced belt for the most part. Right. I mean, of course, you have like some high level beast out there that are blue belts. But so that's usually the um, one where you kind of think like you'll probably get black belt at that point. And then for us, you know, so many people would be like, don't do it. You know, like you have a comfortable job and you might not be happy, but it's like, it's a huge risk, you know, to like move and do these things. But I was like, um, if we don't try it now, like, are you, what are you going to do? It's kind of like, I mean, you're in the same thing cause you're self-employed now. Like you do the counseling, 
But before you worked like inpatient. I worked at, well, I have worked inpatient, but I worked at a community mental health center, a couple of them. Yeah. So you work in, you know, whatever environment and you're like, you know, I could do this till I retire. And I mean, there's no, there's no real money in having jujitsu school, to be honest. Like you're not going to be rich. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, cause like when you first open, um, even to like break even the first couple of years, cause you're paying for a space, you're paying for insurance, you're buying the equipment. Um, you're all that stuff is up front. And then you have a student and you charge them. Like, I think we charge like 65 or 75. Jesus Christ. I'm getting person. robbed now. You are bro. But <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and so over the years, like, you know, we moved to mass street. So of course like the rent's oh, much more oh, expensive okay, square yeah. footage. So yeah, the yeah. old space was like a little bit bigger than your office. Yeah. I mean, it was probably like maybe, three times as big as this, but it was like a little place and it was a family that owned it. So, you know, we got a good deal, but all that stuff, you know, you're paying out of pocket. And so it is a huge risk. Um, but I think it's worth it. You know, COVID was super scary. Oh, it's like, right. Definitely lost like a lot of students through that. And then, and it's jujitsu. So like how many people want to do online or zoom stuff? It's I didn't. tough. Yeah, you didn't. And it's hard too, because like same with your kids, like when your kids train, it's a break for you. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, like not everyone wants to train with their kids, you know, right. maybe a hand, maybe like 10% of parents were interested. A lot of them had siblings, but some just had a grappling dummy. So it's right. like really hard that, you know, what's interesting, like one of the, um, cool things about COVID, not cool things, what should I say? Uh, positive things about COVID is it got auto into jujitsu because yeah, wrestling yeah. closed down. Right. And you had yeah. five, four or five years of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't want to fucking do jujitsu with Jax cause Right, I need to break. So yeah. I was like, I'll do it. And now he's fucking loving it, man. Yeah. Loves it. And that's why a lot of times I think um, spouses won't want to do it. And then when they do, they're like, oh, I should have done this for a while. Yeah, I keep trying to talk Jill into it. But yeah, she's, she'll come around. She's too claustrophobic for it. She's just. But you can work like, around it. I mean, as a therapist, what is that called when you like exposure therapy? Yeah, yeah. Jill, get some exposure therapy. I know, right? I'm not like an expert, but I would just say, like, <laughs> just say, <it>. I'm just <laughs> saying, like I heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. That's right. Oh man. So, all right, let's let's change out of this a little bit. What else do you like to do other than fucking jujitsu? Like, jujitsu. What, what else? I mean, you got it. You like put up fences and shit yeah i don't like that shit though yeah just because i have an old piece of shit house i'm always fucking working on I like my cars hate owning i a fucking home, hate it sucks being poor dude oh, i just hate i don't even care if i was rich i fucking hate owning a house yeah it sucks yeah our house is older so it's like doing the fence line um i don't know i guess i'll like always be a student like i like to read about new topics you like do. we talked a lot about like you know, dieting, weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I've been lifting for a little bit now and just like, that's like a new adventure. You like it? Yeah, I like it. And it's same thing because you can just say, Oh, pick this up. But really there's a lot of technique involved. And for me, like, you know, being older and like my back starting to wear, I mean, probably mm-hmm. all my joints, mm-hmm. but you know, learning, like, you know, getting a personal trainer and like helping you like to do stuff mechanic. It's a technique. You know what I mean? Like you could watch two people that didn't know how to grapple, grapple, and you'd be like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But now it's like once you understand some technique, you know, it becomes, you know, more fun and enjoyable. And then it always learn because you can do kettlebells, dumbbells. I mean, you could do like a CrossFit type workout. There's so many different options. Yeah. You know, it, stuff like that. That's, yeah, I agree. Like just there's, there's always things like 
that kind of meathead shit that just you're always going to be able to learn about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, and I think it's like grappling too. Cause now that you've been training, has it been eight months? Dude, it's almost been a year. Fuck bro. How many stripes nope. do you have? One. Dude, that's all you're getting. <laughs> that's all I deserve, man. Ooh, Trevor will be triggered dude, if he I hears this and we talk about stripes. Suck, I'll give you stripes, dude, bro. I don't care. But it's like now that you've been training for a while and you, um, you know, you have a stripe and that kind of stuff. Now, when you watch, cause you watch, I don't really watch UFC that much anymore. Um, I just kind of lost interest in it. But for you now, when you see like stuff go to the ground, now you have like a different perspective. Oh yeah. Where the, where like, I think the average person would be like, if it's not like a knockout or something, they're like, boo, like it's kind of boring to them. I always understood theory though. Yeah. So like I, I've always followed jujitsu on some level, right? Or UFC or whatever. So I knew theory. I knew how, how things potentially work, like from, but not knowing how to do it. Right. Like how you get things, how you get back, how you get mount, things like that. So new theory, but like now I understand how hard it is to get to that position. Yeah. So. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, sometimes people are pinned up against the cage and the audience is like, you know, but that's a lot of work and technique. That's probably the hardest thing. You know what I mean? It's like, well, fuck just even, um, starting from feet. Yeah. Oh yeah. We just started like now that, you know, that, that, uh, competitions coming up in December. I mean, you got to do the rounds. And of course what happens too, when you do, you know, cause some people are like, you should always start from the feet, but there's also like an increased, um, chance for injury. Oh yeah. Cause what happens are starting from the feet. People are starting to get injured. Yep. Where if you start from the ground, it's a, it's definitely a lot safer. Um, and then on the flip side, if you always start from the ground, then you end up with a bunch of guard pullers and butt scooters. So, right. but like Tommaso, he's been training judo, um, since he was born pretty much, you know, his dad was a black belt. And so his stand up, you know, he's 145 pounds, but it's, he's a beast on the feet. Jesus Christ. He's you know? a beast. I mean, yeah. just because he understands body movement and yeah. all of that stuff is just like, he gets, he he's, gets it. He's really good. Yeah. And you know, judo's the lineage of jujitsu, yeah. whatever, however you We just that, evolved so. a little more. Yeah. Like jujitsu, like we'll take judo and wrestling and we'll be like, yeah, you can do that. Can. Judo's like, no way. No, no way. <laughs> We're not going to fight on the ground, bro. Nope. I nope. mean, they do, but like if you get a clean throw, it's over. Yeah. Cause it, cause it, it's a whatever. And then they can do arm bars, right? Some yeah. Can. Arm bars, chokes, no leg attacks. Yeah. Oh, Which is weird. I, I'm not big into leg attacks. Yeah. Like I'm, that's not my. Like, I think not, too. Cause um, like the older jujitsu or like just Brazilian jujitsu. Um, they didn't use them too much. And then like every sport has its um, like rule set. So something like Sambo, they can do leg attacks, but I think it's straight knee bars and toe holds. I don't know if they can do hold heel hooks, but it's uh, it's, they have a s- specific rule set as well. That's why I like jujitsu too, because honestly, like you can find a competition. I mean, it won't, there are some with like striking or whatever, like there's combat jujitsu, um, oh, yeah. but you can find something where like neck cranks, heel hooks, like everything's legal right. except for like, uh, striking and the combat jujitsu, I believe it's just like slapping. Yes. Palms, yeah. yeah. Or like, I think like this or whatever. And I think like being older, it's nice because you can find like a rule set for you because like we're both in our forties. 
Um, upper, I'm in my upper forties. Yeah, you're in your. I mean, you're closer to fifty. I mean, we both are, but you're yeah, a little pretty close. But it's like if you want to compete, there's probably like a guy around your age you can go compete because yeah. you're not going to hang with like. A, I'm not going to hang with like a 20 year old black belt. Fuck no. It's been training since a child. There's just no. I can way. barely hang with a fucking. Like sometimes I roll, I can like, barely stand up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like my back's so tight. I'm like <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> no right. I was doing. Uh, uh, skier jumps today where yeah. you jump side to side. and I was like in my mind I was like I got this yeah. and then I was doing I was like I look stupid and just oh, yeah. laughing like, at me like yeah. <laughs> I'm like I said it, it it felt so much better in my head <laughs> it does yeah it's like at the school like sometimes doing box jumps I'm like this take forever yeah like, it's not I'm sure it doesn't look that good and I can't do the I can't do the rebound box jumps anymore I can just jump up and then I step down and jump up there's the rebounding ones where you jump up and back down. Back yeah, down. yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I got to jump up, pause, and then back down. Yeah, I can't do that. That shit. So, um, what helps you most in your jujitsu game? Like in what aspect? Like uh, my personal game, uh, game yeah, like your rolling. Personal game, yeah. Like, so for me, I think. You know, everyone has like a different reason they do jujitsu. Um, there's definitely some common themes. And then I think when it comes to like uh, your personal game, like uh, I went and did a seminar with uh, Rafael Lovato. It was actually mm -hmm. a camp like a couple years ago. And he said like something because uh, he has like a good like mental approach to stuff and like jujitsu. And he said like when people watch you compete or roll like how do you want them to see you in your game you know what i mean and you want to like like you're displaying your art and not everyone you know really thinks like that necessarily but that's what i kind of think too is like i would like to show something that is like very efficient and i think to me like something that you know a smaller person can come in and do or, you know, eventually we're going to be into our 60s and there's still guys like training in the master's division that are like in their 60s and 70s and they're still out there doing it. So like having a uh, teach and show something and like um, that represents like, you know, real art and that you can not only pass on, but you can do like later in life. Of course, you're going to have to adapt some things like. Um, like they give me a hard time cause I really don't do triangles, but the reason is because I really don't go inverted and I don't like to be stacked on my neck. So you will find that whatever your body type is, you're tall or short, skinny or fat, like you're going to find something that works for you. And you know, it's from like all aspects. So if you're a guy, you know, it's just an example. If you have longer legs, like you're going to be better at triangles and setting up like different kinds of guards. So more about like just really kind of showing. Yeah, that showing and then learning. So um, like there's been certain things like over time that I watched and to me intuitively, like I felt like it just clicked. So before and it, it was just like when I first saw jujitsu, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So one is like that, uh, the Lucas Lecce, like dog fight, like that half guard, like I I actually was watching him in competition. Like I was watching uh, some videos and I was watching how he was competing against like absolute division. So if you find someone that is smaller and they're winning absolute divisions, then you should probably take a time and like understand that technique because it's definitely not based on strength or size. Right. Um, which, you know, can happen sometimes. 
so I was watching that and the way he like dealt with bigger opponents and Marcelo Garcia is like a good example too. Who's like, you know, older school than that. But, uh, like it just clicked and I was like, I really want to learn that. So at the time there wasn't any kind of like instructional or anything. So I like, I watched his matches. There's this guy, um, I think it's BJJ scout. He had done a study on it. So he filmed his matches and broke down that like type of half guard. So like I watched that and then someone did like, a video on it, you know, just kind of like breaking it down further. Like he did the techniques and then eventually like he came out with an instructional. So I studied it and then like just added that into my game. Um, and then same thing, like the little, the chin strap guillotine. Oh, like, I fucking love that, man. I've yeah. used it like four times in the last two weeks. So that one, although different people have done different versions of it, um, Josh Hinger, you know, it's called the Hinger team. And he actually had an instructional out on Budo videos a long, long time ago. And I had that instructional and I played around with it. And then um, over time, there's a, a guy, um, Jason Scully, who does Grappler's Guide. And that has, he gets a lot of experts on there. So the Hinger Teen instructional. And then I watched, uh, like he had him do like a thing on the Grappler's Guide. And that was, uh, it was really good. Like it just same thing. It made sense to me because sometimes the traditional guillotine, like, of course, if you can get it all locked in, you can finish it. But the way he like chin straps and everything, it's readily available in like gi and no gi. Cause yeah. sometimes when you just hug the neck, it's like hard to get your arm wrapped around, especially in gi, you got the material. And then turning your, turning your, you know, your, your arm the right way mm -hmm. in there. So it gets there. Yeah. When you get the chin strap, you just know. Yeah. And then that for me, when they're in turtle uh -huh. and I can get it in there, that leverage, right. Yeah. My leverage of the, the, either the chest or the, yeah. Cause the you pelvic. get it like from like almost like the North South, like they right. turtle. And then that's yep. like, you know, and that's, and it's the same thing. Now you get it and it's like, you haven't been trained that long, but you've successfully uh, finished it against someone about your skill level and training about the same amount of time. So it's like, that is like a good value for you. Yeah. It was, it's pretty, it's, just don't celebrate your submissions I know. like a toddler. God, I'm such a baby, man. I was it's, like, here we go. It's such a, it's such a win when, when I get birth though, man, cause I know. all he does is just kill me. I know. Cause he's and, like, well, he's a professional athlete. I know he's a professional athlete and just muscle and yeah, fast twitch and just, He's good for you though. God. I mean, he's a little bit younger. He is. He's probably like ten. A years. lot younger. Well, he's a little. Not how a little old is bit. he? Thirty-eight. Oh no, he's like maybe thirty-four. Oh, uh, he's a little younger. Yeah, he is just. God, that guy's. Amazing. I mean, is cricket a sport though? I know he played rugby. I mean, <laughs> really, it's not like but... round your bat, Bert. <laughs> 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 like I'm not a physicist, but I mean, aerodynamically, uh, that's, it's, it goes slower when you, yeah, no wonder they always get, uh, struck out strike. We should uh, get this school together and go play, like have him like do a cricket. I know that dude has a cricket bat. Or oh, whatever. he's got probably a million of them. Yeah. And his house and bought in the, he's a, he was a bowler. I don't even know how to say it, but you know, I know the, he did rugby too, yeah. which is definitely tough. Oh yeah. He's it's like football without pads, but he's like the, like the, a professional that complains the most. Mm -hmm. Oh, my jaw hurts. Kick me in my yeah, jaw. Yeah, it's like a therapist. They right. need the most therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So true. It's true. Yeah. Like when everyone, everyone's like, I'm a therapist. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. I know what's going on. Yeah. This is this is my therapy, man. It's jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Mine too. God. Yeah. Um, what is it about sci-fi that you like so much? 
Um, sci-fi, it's, you know, interestingly about science fiction. So if you look at like most old science fiction, mm-hmm. I mean, of course there were some errors cause they're like making it up, but like lasers were science fiction, mm-hmm. space travel rockets, um, invisibly communicating through the air, like radio mm-hmm. and like all that stuff. Um, they knew like, it's interesting cause like, um, like in the human psyche or, like uh carl young like you would say there's like archetypes Mm -hmm. and like certain stories and stuff it's interesting how those things play out so i think a lot of sci-fi um like i'm watching that hbo show raised by wolves oh i haven't started that one yet and so um like i got a bachelor's degree in religious studies hey i got a bachelor's degree in religious studies fucking weird that's so fucking weird dude so um, That's fucking because weird. at the time I was paramedic working a b- bunch of shift work. So I wanted to get a, uh, a degree in philosophy and then look at a master's. And so there was a program that was like, if you had, so I could go to the local community college, like on the base or whatever mm-hmm. I knock, it took me forever to get a bachelor's cause I, I worked so much, uh, like shift work. I would have to coordinate, like, I'm going to go take my English 101 on Wednesdays. Can you guys cover that shift for the next whatever semester? And they would, but it was like a big pain in the ass. So right. literally like the first college class I took was probably like what I was saying in Germany, like 95, 96, something like that. And then, uh, it was 10 years later until I got a bachelor's. Cause it I took just, me 10 years and I wasn't enough. I just army. fucking took, <laughs> I just took one class at a time. And then I eventually found a program. So you move from base to base and most community colleges like there, I forget what the standard it's called. Mm-hmm. And I clept some, so you can test out of subjects. So right. I tested out of like uh, speech and then like some history and like some basic classes just to like, as I knew I was going to get close to that bachelor's. And then I started plugging around, uh, did like the religious studies and then over time. So I finished the bachelor's and then like in the military, you get like, in the air force, they have associates programs. So mm-hmm. I got like an associates in teaching and then associates in it's like allied health or something. And then eventually over time I went, I did like night school and I took like, uh, so using my nine 11, like GI bill, I finished up, I was able to finish up my master's. So I got an MBA and, uh, we did like one on ground class and one online and just mm-hmm. like, it was accelerated. So I think it was like a year and a half almost two. So you are a constant learner. Yeah. I always like school sometimes like as long as it's not math, like, but you just like, you're like always wanting to learn. Yeah. I would like, I would go like I was talking to Trevor once and I was like, like what's the program to get like a PhD in philosophy? Like, what do you need to get into that? Cause I just, I like if it's a structure, then it provides you like an avenue to study something. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on like a PhD in like philosophy, then it's going to like, motivate you or if it's just like me i'll be like oh i'll pick up like a book about something and then but you're not going to study it in depth to where you know like someone's guiding you and you have like a thesis or something and then you're working towards a goal so are you always searching i mean if you're if you love philosophy are you always searching for the truth um there is no truth there is no truth (laughs) i'm just kidding um the truth like i'm always like looking at ideas and i'd say how people like how we perceive and think about stuff because most of us, like most of our background, like you and I, most people in America, you know, you're very cultured by the school system you're brought up in. It's Western society. So as you know, like we've talked about before, um, 
and you know, you have a bachelor's in religion and that was my background. So when you start to go outside of like the Western world, you know, it's very interesting um, to look at some of like the Eastern religions. And although that groundwork was laid a little bit before us, there's people like Alan Watts, um, Krishnamurti, um, some of those like early scholars. And some people might like write them off because I think a lot of that was like during like the hippie movement and stuff like that. But when you go and look at a lot of that stuff, some of it translates over to like what Western, the Western world, I would say, um, found out through psychology much later on. An example would be like mindfulness. So it's like you and I are talking like you recommended uh, that book to me, The Mindful Athlete. And that guy is, uh, he does mention like some Buddhist stuff, which is probably where like a lot of mindfulness comes from. But, you know, that's his approach. And it's like now you're understanding like and you're and you do therapy. So, you know, like some of those things that like Buddhist or something might have known about the mind and how to understand it and your reality being present is like eventually Westerners do it. But I think they needed like uh, more concrete, like a scientific like rationale, you know, like they're going to put you in a CAT scan and observe your brain or whatever. Like they want to see like what's going on at the neurological, like anatomical level. Like, you know, people who meditate, they do a CAT scan or they can uh, do an EEG and like observe like there are these changes taking place. But I think for Westerners without like that kind of like stuff behind it, it's hard for them to like accept that stuff. So. Do you when you think about truth and philosophy and. And religion, do you. Do you love, do you still love like learning about that stuff? And like, yeah, I really about- like learning about religions. Um, because I think if you look at any society, um, uh, like religion drives culture and society. So even within the United States, like you pick up an everyday item, like a dollar, like what does it say on it? God, we trust, bro. Right. So it's like, if you go, um, to the, Middle East, um, like, uh, God willing, God bless, like that's embedded in their language and culture. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you go, um, like there's always some kind of, I think like religious background behind it. And, you know, you can look at like now, like shamanism is becoming like really popular stuff like that. So, um, they just had a guy, uh, I don't listen to too much of Joe Rogan, but, uh, like one of my friends, he's like, you should listen to this, um, so I think it's the most recent one and they basically, it's about psychedelics and religion. Oh yeah. The mush, the mushrooms and the, so the guy yep. is like a, he was a scholar, a linguist. Yep. Of course, like how many jobs when you're studying like a dead language. And so he did the research about, you know, like maybe Salem witch trials, like some of the Greeks and some of their religious experiences, early Christians were actually a lot of them were um, like on hallucinogenics ear got or whatever yep. it was. So that's why it's interesting. So it's like, I think like religion and then of course, like, you know, <clears throat> when you look at like universities, where did the first universities originate from? They were religious. So like it all, you know, ties back to that stuff. So if you don't understand that you're, you're sometimes you miss out on like the larger things. So did you grow up religious or my you- parents? Yeah, I'd say, um, I grew up, I guess they were, I would say like kind of Baptist. Um, 
like as a small child, we went to church like pretty regularly. Like it was a family thing. Like Sunday you go to church and then um, it was pretty much like that. And then I think like um, probably like in the junior high, like we just moved around and like there wasn't a church in the area or something and, you know, we just didn't really go. And then, of course, once high school hits, like you're doing your own thing. Like yeah, you're hanging right. out with your friends or yeah. whatever. But I would I'm say, <laughs> yeah, I would say like originally it was like uh, pretty, like, you know, just like uh, traditional like Christian okay. whatever. I mean, like, you know, like within Christianity, there's like, I mean, you pretty much have like Catholics and Protestants. I mean, at right. the, like the biggest division right. that you could look at. like. Mm-hmm. In, so I'd say it's more like a Protestant because like one of my best friends, Catholic and like his mom, I'd hang out with him. She's like, if you spend the night, man, you got to go to Catholic, you know, I know or... we always, so I'd be like, all right, like, well, this is different. And I'm sure, I mean, he never like at that time, I don't think, I think it's, it was junior high. So we probably weren't going to church, but I was like, oh, this is very, like we're kneeling a lot, like getting right, up and down, right. like, cause, cause it was very different and traditional a lot of Protestant. It's either standing or sitting. Yeah. Right. You yeah, don't kneel. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, in religion, sometime we can talk about that, but, uh, about what, like the, like religion and the history and background of you or no, of, just in general, like, well, yeah, I mean, why not talk about it now? We know what it, it's well, about. I mean like just the divisions and like how things, um, like came about and like, like our, in a, our a West in the Western. Yeah. Society. Like in Western. I mean, yeah. Same with Eastern, because uh, you look at like, like Buddhism, for example, because it had like a huge influence. And then the interesting thing about all, like most religions is how they change over time. Mm-hmm. So some people, I would say, like within Christianity, someone, and this is what like kind of struck me because I was raised a certain way, and your if your parents tell you you're Catholic, then you pretty much are. They tell you you're an atheist, you pretty much are. If you're a Christian, mm-hmm. if you're a Buddhist, whatever. So why is that? And uh, so for me, that's why I wanted to get a degree in religion mm-hmm. because I was like, well, this guy behind the pulpit tells me this is so, but is this the truth? Or like, what's truth. really going on? What's the truth? Yeah, what's going on? It doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't exist. So I started to get my degree, and it really, I had like some pretty good teachers, and, uh, it really shaped my understanding. And I think something that's lost in a lot of college and stuff, and they might have it, but like um, I took a critical thinking class and a lot mm. of it was based around this stuff. And I know they do still probably teach critical thinking, but I think a lot of people aren't critical thinkers. No, so yeah. that's why I can't right. be on Facebook because if you do like, you look at some of the stuff that's posted and people's replies and I'm just like, if you just use a little critical thinking and logic, like you wouldn't be arguing about that. Right. You, you just be having a discussion about whatever, right? And same thing with religion. So with religion, um, like Christianity, for were you raised? Like, oh yeah, I was yeah. Episcopal, Episcopal. So yeah, so, so yeah, it's like Catholic light. I it is exactly like Catholic light. <laughs> so That's Catholic what we called light. It. That's so, so funny. I know it's so weird. Like You're so indoctrinated. Brothers, I know, dude. I don't know. It's so Both weird. Both bald, sexy as fuck. God damn yeah. it! How, we, how did we we got separated at birth? Or I something? know could have happened. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people they'll be like you know, in Christianity, because I was brought up in that. And then like a lot of the religious studies was that they say like, well, I believe this. And then, so you say, well, why do you believe that? Oh, cause my pastor on Sunday told mm-hmm. me or whatever, like, this is the way it is. And like, we should develop our laws around it and whatever the issue is. So when you go back and say, well, why do you believe it? Like, where's your source from it? And then you say, it's something like the Bible. Okay. Well, which, which version, version of the Bible? Right. And then, 
do you know who actually wrote that or where you're getting, is it from several things you're getting it from or is it from a particular book? And then who actually wrote that book? And then when they wrote it, was it the person that said it and how many centuries passed before the person that wrote it from the person that did say it initially, like how long did that lineage get passed on? And you can see the same thing like in Buddhism because like the original text, no one knows exactly what Buddha said. They just, right. they, you know, pretty good theory that this is what he said from different written sources. Right. But at first it was just oral tradition, like so many religions. And then you look when it spread all the way to somewhere like Japan or China, then Zen, um, all these other disciplines get embedded in it. So it's definitely different from what was originally, right? you know, some of that stuff early on. It's interesting um, having conversations with people that are, um, devoutly religious I don't know whatever whatever the thing is I, I had this guy that was my friend for a long time that was really wanted to save my soul mm -hmm. and he would invite me to um, coffee and then dinner and then he'd want to have these religious discussions right and so being a religious studies graduate right like yeah. I knew my shit right yeah and so he would try and they to don't know me. you know your shit right like. he, so he would he would he would try to tell me about you know, he was a creationist too. So yeah. no dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, we're only 2000, 2000 or 4,000 years old. I don't know. But one time we were talking to him, he's like, you know, in the Bible, the apostle wrote this. And I said, you know, the apostles didn't write the, the books of the Bible. Yeah. And he was like, what? I said, um, those were written after Jesus died. Yeah. And the disciples went their separate ways. They weren't written by the actual Mark that, right. Right. The, like that, yeah. Or whatever disciples or whatever the fuck they were called, right? I said Mark was Mark was uh, Matthew Mark. Mark was written like six, at least sixty years after the death of yeah Christ, and he was like, "What?" And then he like challenged me on it, and I explained all the different things, and I explained how uh, fuck I forget which book it is, Luke or John, where there's like the unknown text that yeah. they don't know, and then like I mean the Catholics have the. Uh apocrypha right which aren't included in the protestant bible right exactly so he was like what John? and then a couple of weeks later he like did his own research he's like oh you're right like yeah yeah well now you can just google it like, yeah exactly but before like even when i was learning it um i would have been let's see i got my degree in 2002 religious studies right right before grant was born so that's when I finished up. Even then, like it, like I spent a lot of time in the library, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you had to. Text. Same with me. I did take on. It was a uh, Blackboard was really new that uh, yes. program. Mm -hmm. So you could still like it was on Blackboard, and I think like Trevor said, like they still use it. They still do, yeah. But now it's um, like you ordered physical books. I had mm -hmm. to go to the library, and sometimes like a religious book, I would have to go to some like the base library or mm -hmm. whatever. They just didn't carry it, so I either had to buy the book, which is super expensive mm -hmm. or I had to go like um, there's usually a college or something nearby like you could find the book yeah, yeah I, I, so we spent you know you spent a lot of time looking at texts yeah and stuff and and like trying to find the origin I studied more um, oh that's getting hard um, a little cauliflower ear, yeah. dude I finally got some it took me 13 know, years it took you 13 fucking years it only took me 6 months I know soft so soft um, I was studied more western like I liked the, the, the Western and then like the newer ones, like I like the cults and the newer yeah. Western things. So I studied a lot of um, like sixties 
um, religions, things mm-hmm. like that. Newer, like newer religion stuff in the, the U.S. Yeah. So if you look at like cults are interesting too, because yeah. really like most religions could be considered a cult. Oh yeah. Like, when they start out. It's like, only when it's your belief system, you're like, oh, those are all cults. Like, you well, know, and what's, what's so weird is that we're at a point now where if it lasts a certain amount of time, then it's a religion. Yeah. And now like or my invisible deity is real, but yours, that's like superstition. That's you know what I mean? Like it's, right? it's only what you believe. Mine like, can walk on water. Yeah. But, yeah right? Yours. No way. Yours you have more than Texas one in a bunker. You have more than one. No. <laughs> right. It's so strange how we just judge the shit. Yeah. That it definitely taught me to be open-minded, like mm-hmm. getting that degree. I mean, it was a while ago now, but I'll still pick up something and read it. And like, I have like my old work somewhere. I was looking at something and, but yeah, it's interesting. Like, people are so sure in what they believe, but they have no idea where it came from at the, like when they really look, cause look, you have to get a whole degree and that's kind of a broad thing. Cause you learned about different culture or whatever. So to really like to do a, you would have to do like a PhD in like one thing like they do. You yeah. Know? I got to take a piss and then I want to get right, back and talk time. to, uh, about, uh all right, we're back. So we, I asked the question about sci-fi early on, then we got down the religious studies because we both did it. So, so what is it about sci- science fiction that I, I'm making the assumption because we talked a little bit about it that yeah. you, like, you really are into I sci-fi. do like sci-fi. Like, I think it's interesting. Um, I think, too, like I was saying earlier, I was watching that uh, Raised by Wolves mm-hmm. and then looking at, like, the themes um, that go on. So tying it back to, like, like, religious studies and understanding that stuff. Like it helps you like understand other things and same with sci-fi, like, because it's, uh, it's almost like the story of Adam and Eve. So it's like two people traveling. They have, um, the embryos for humanity. They land on a new planet. Um, and the creators too, they definitely said like they have religious. So you have like religious zealots Mm -hmm. that come later. They like try to hunt them down. Um, and then you have atheists, which are like the other people. So there's like a whole storyline there, but the planet is definitely like, it's representative of like an Eden in a way, not all of the planet, but like in the end, like we just watched the finale last night and oh, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. It's so interesting. So basically they're on kind of like, it's almost like a desert side of the world. There are mm-hmm. some like vegetation and like animals there, but they end up on this other side of the planet and it's like an Eden in a way. Okay. And then ironically, it's like, there's a serpent there too. It's like uh, one of the alien beings. Yeah. So there's a ton of themes. Um, and even within religion and there's atheists which are persecuted. Um, and then, so it ties in, but it's all like sci-fi um, based. So they're like leaving earth and they travel. And then the, uh, the caretakers of the human embryos who like raise the children, they're androids, um, but they're very human like. And then of course, like they're trying to understand themselves and like a bunch of other stuff. So you got to watch it. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. It's so, super interesting. So is, is sci-fi like you like, is that your favorite genre stuff? I think so. I like it. Um, yeah, it's probably, you know, sci-fi and fantasy. Fantasy. Like Lord of the Rings. Okay. And stuff like that. Um, did you read Dune? I haven't read Dune, but I need well, to. I haven't either. I'm, yeah, Trevor's always like more read more it. more about it. Yeah. I'm like, I should fucking read that thing. Yeah. I really, it's, did you watch that trailer? Uh, I can't remember. It has like the worms on it, right? I've seen a trailer. I can't remember which one. There's, yeah, it's really fucking good. Have you ever seen, did you ever see the original? That uh, Yeah, several times. Yeah. It's like uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Like that one's really good. But that's why I like the, 
the Raised by Wolves because it's the same guy that did like Aliens, the original one. Oh, James Cameron. No, oh, Ridley Alien, Scott. Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. So oh, like the out. androids have like uh, like their blood is like, like the white fluid. Like, like they kept some of the stuff. same stuff. Cool. It's pretty cool. You'd like it. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. But yeah, I like fantasy too, like Lord of the Rings, um, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, that one is good. And then same thing, like they all have like some kind of religious theme. So you, the, you do like so is that is that you know not to always tie it back to jujitsu, but there's yeah. like you have like this theme about yeah. you a little bit, like um, structure, community, things like that. Do you, do you like that piece about jujitsu about the community? I with think that's because I, you know what I mean? It's like a story. I would say like the story that I like is, you know, there's definitely, there's only so many themes when you look, whether you're uh, like Colton talking mm -hmm. about making a movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, if you study literature or film, whenever you're telling a story, um, there's only so many, th like I took this really good, uh, like an elective class and it was about like writing and movie making. And they talk about archetypes and stuff like that. And there's only so many. So one of them is the story that is probably one of the most popular ones. So you take a young person and they have some kind of difficult trial they have to go through. So like Lord of the Rings, and then they come out to the end. And the same thing, like you take a movie like The Matrix, and then it's the same thing. So what happens is like they don't know what's going on. They have to figure out some kind of problem, and then it's like a journey. And also, you know, like now they have the new uh, – uh, like Cobra Kai movie. Oh yeah. So when I was a kid, like awesome. if you watch like, um, karate kid or blood sport, um, I think it's always interesting. Like when you take someone, um, a figure that doesn't know anything and then they progress along a path and then they almost become like enlightened or they reach a point that they're, they're, um, good at whatever they are at. And so, like, you know, in The Matrix, you have that, like, storyline. And I'm sure there's a term for that. I don't know what it is. but And then <clears throat> Karate Kid, same thing. You know, he doesn't know anything, and then he's along this path. And what happens along the path? you got to suffer, right? Right. So you come to jiu-jitsu, and it sucks. And there will always be some kind of suffering if you're, like, progressing, I think, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Because, like, when I roll and I'm tired, it still sucks. Just that I've done it so much. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you get more used to it. But, you know, like, the first time I did Neon Belly on you, you're oh, like, this is, God. what am I doing here? Fuck and I'm I, like, bro, you paid for this. You like, paid you're paying monthly. For <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> But it's like, so it's true. like, you know what I mean? It's like, so almost through all those stories, like, someone suffered. And I like that story kind of told through, like, fantasy or science fiction. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, martial arts stories, too. Right. Sometimes martial arts movies are hokey. So yeah, there are some hokey ones, but God damn it, they're awesome. Twelve Ronin. That was a good one. Was is that the one with? Oh, with. Uh, that was a good one. The, is that the um, Keanu Reeves one? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen another. I can't remember. Uh, Flying Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That oh, yeah. was good. Do you like those old school, like Bruce Lee ones? Yeah. Like um, the best Bruce Lee one, of course, like to me, is probably the most polished one was Enter the Dragon. That one I watched is, you know, at a very young age. And, it, you know, it's, like, interesting because, like, think about Bruce Lee, too. You know, it's like he moved around um, different cultures and um, at a time when there's um, a lot of racism and 
um, more so than now. I think like now and culturally, like it's coming to the forefront, but back then, and it was probably like, you know, more accepted. So as a Chinese person coming to America, teaching a martial art, I mean, look at the impact he had. And he was also in, uh, I think he got his degree. I don't know if he finished it, but he got his degree was in philosophy. Yep. And, you know, truly the first modern mixed up martial arts. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause he was open-minded. Yeah. So he like, even in his, like he understood like grappling and stuff. Yep. Like, he didn't probably get so deep into it because it just wasn't available wasn't cool to then, him. Or, yeah. yeah. And, but he definitely like, he, he understood, like if you looked at some of his books, like an arm bar mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think it is about the jujitsu community versus other martial arts communities that make it more uh, tighter, for lack of a better word, than yeah, like, I, if you go to a fucking a Taekwondo school? I would say as a whole, like jujitsu schools tend to be a tighter knit group, but that's not always the case. Because okay. um, every school has like a different culture and vibe. So like when Heidi and I first started, um, we had friends, you know, you meet friends, you go mm-hmm. to competition, and especially with women, you're like, Oh, you compete. Like there'll be only two other girls for her to compete right. against. And so you make friends, you probably go over to their school. Um, so we went, there's several other schools like we drop in or train or had friends, but every school honestly like has its own culture. I would say jujitsu tends to be a tighter knitter, uh, community overall, but like you, you should drop in another school, see what it's like and stuff like that. Um, but jujitsu is like the only martial art that really does that. Cause it if allows you, drop in, not that it allows it, but that it's just like, it happens. Okay. Um, like when I took karate before very, because it was outside of a military base, sometimes you would have someone say, Oh, I'm like, it was like Okinawan Shonru. And you would have someone like on there for like a TDY or he was there touring for a class or something. Mm-hmm. And then someone might come in, but it was like very rare. Well, and, and it's, usually they were a black belt or a higher level. And usually like, you know, there's the, there's like, well, my style of karate is better than your yeah. style of karate and all that shit, right? Yeah. Or like, and in jujitsu, most of the arm bars and rear, I mean, the theory's the same. The or, theory's the same. So a long time ago, it would be um, like old school. It would be frowned upon if you went to another school. Right, right. Um, you know, and things get Americanized over time. So I think, you know, as it came and grew in the United States, you had like a lot of different influences. So you had, um, for example, like a lot of Americans wrestled in high school, college. So now you see like those kind of takedowns. Although there was, I forget what it's called in Brazil, Brazilian, but they, uh, there is a double leg. Same in judo, there's a double leg, but in you know, the United States, the double legs like a huge thing for wrestlers, double single, like that's our, so those things like influenced, um, jujitsu. And I think, so our, like our culture and the way we do things. So you go to competition and you're like a cult really. So you meet other people that compete. You're like, Oh, where do you train? And like before, like I drove a long ways to, uh, take classes and then a school opened up kind of close and then another school opened up. So I think for like our culture, you'd be like, Oh, you train over there. And they're like, yeah, come over. Like Heidi did uh, a competition. She was like one of the first girls, and they're like, you should come here. And then there was a female black belt, one of the first ones in America, and she actually teaches Emily Quack's her name, and she teaches out of Princeton Jiu-Jitsu. And um, I think it was on the campus. It was in a racquetball court was their dojo. No shit. Yeah, and she's under – she's a Marcelo Garcia black belt. Okay. 
So that was probably like an hour and a half away from us in Jersey. So we'd go up there sometimes. And then like Heidi go to her seminars because it's a female black belt, which right. is like a different perspective. Um, so it's like that kind of like camaraderie why I think like people go to other schools and like, you know, it's more openness. And then each specific school, I think for, for us in particular, you know, over time, like you develop a certain culture for your school, mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse, whatever that culture will be. And for us, I think um, like when you first came in, like everyone's willing to help you. Right. And you're always, you know, there's so it's like anything in society. Like there's so many different personality types. Like you're going to have some people that you gravitate towards and others that you're just like, fuck, I got a partner with this dude. <laughs> like everyone does it. Right. Like right. just to, like when Heidi and I, ours, I think our, the school that we got our purple belts with at the time was probably a little bit smaller than what we were pre COVID. Okay. And, uh, so there's some nights you just got to partner with the person you don't want to partner with for whatever reason. Cause you're just like, this dude talks too much or whatever. It's like something annoying. You know what I mean? Like it could be, but it's just personality differences. I wonder who says that about me. Uh, I don't want to drop Everybody. names on a podcast. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, I got to partner with Josh again. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I think like, I mean, the good thing is like, as you get higher and like a belt, it tends to, um, that stuff doesn't matter as much Yeah, because you're more fluid. Like I'm like, okay, I got this person. I'm just going to help them learn it. Right. Um, and other times I'm like, Oh, I get some good roles in where I think for you, um, like some people, and you'll notice that some people do the move once or twice and then they don't drill it like during class. And then you have other people that drill it the whole time. So if you have two people that drill it the whole time, great. But if one person's like, Oh, I kind of got it, you know, even though they don't, but that's just like how they learn or their personality. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, and I can see it because like when we did the pods, you know, you're kind of stuck with that group. Right. And then some people were like, I could tell they're not like so happy, but would change it up every two weeks. Yeah. And for me, sometimes it's like, we'll drill something, but like, let's say my hips sore. Like I'll be like, yeah, I'll do like three rounds. I'm like, okay. Or not three rounds, but three drills of it and be like, oh, my hips a little, Yeah, like, I don't want to, you know, it's just sore or whatever. And just, it's not that I want to, don't want to drill. I'm just like, yeah. fuck. Oh, I don't want to talk about you personally too much. And uh, you can't like you can talk observe. shit on me all day long. <laughs> it's not talking shit. It's just observation. Uh, yeah. I, I can be, <laughs> you a can lazy just drill. edit this part off. I can be a lazy drill. <laughs> no, I don't true. think lazy. No, no. I just say like, uh, sometimes because you're a new white belt and someone else is, um, it's like, that's how I got my first black eye. I was in, uh, we, I was in someone's guard and you know, like the bump sweep where you sit up and bump mm-hmm. him over. Yep. It was this like super exuberant guy and dude, he fucking sat up with all his force and his elbow caught me right in the eye socket. And like, it was a huge black eye. So I think for you, like, you know, you get those little, like Bert put his foot on your penis and like, you were like, <laughs> Ow! and I'm like, does that hurt dude? Like, but it's like in the beginning, that kind of stuff is annoying. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like after 13 years of a foot on your penis, like you don't care anymore. Like you just get used <laughs> to it, because, or you like it. You I don't, don't know. Use like, your penis or something. Yeah, there, yeah, buddy. <laughs> so I was like, but it's interesting because I remember that, and you know, like the first time you put on a gi, um, like everything hurts. Yeah, because like the gi's abrasive. Right. Everyone gets matte burn on their feet, especially during no gi. Oh, so I love it. In the beginning. It's like, that's an annoyance, you know? And then yeah. over time, like that goes, that for sure goes away. It's like battle or, wounds now, right? Or someone frames in your neck and you're like, fuck, what a dick move. But it's not really a dick move. 
it's just uncomfortable to you in the beginning. Right. Like eventually, like I don't care. I push back into that frame. I got the I got the like frame bruise. harder, Andrew. <laughs> I got this bruise on my <laughs> yeah. I see head. that. Yeah, I have that's, a, that's from Arlo. Andrew, Arlo and this I is hit from Andrew. My little eye abrasion. Oh, nice. Yeah, Heck Arlo and I bumped heads trying to because we're both a couple of white belts trying to figure out the yeah. takedowns or whatever. Takedowns are dangerous. <laughs> bumped heads. Um, yeah, you're doing really good though. It's interesting, like um, the way you know, like I think about Ron, right? Yeah. Ron, when I first came in, I think I was doing nights or something. I must have been doing nights kind of at the beginning for a little bit too, like mixing it up. Can't remember. Um, but man, he like he did the whole cheese grater thing on me one uh-huh. time across my jaw, oh, yeah. and, I and I was like, "What the fuck?" I know you bully, and, and Ron's super nice. So. I know, and I, and I'm like, maybe he just didn't like you. He's like, "Oh, this powerlifter yeah, thinks this he's power tough. thinks he's tough." Let me just rub a little ghee on his yeah. cheek. <laughs> and I was like, "Man, that that was fucking hurt. What was that for?" Like, yeah. And now I now it's like, yeah, it's duh, okay, yeah. right? It's just he's not being mean. He's right. just like, yeah. I mean, jujitsu is tough physically and. I think over the years, like you take it for granted because you do, it's like anything you lift weights at first, like, like one of the first things when you start lift weighting and because lifting weights and because I just started and I forgot about it. Cause the last time I did, I was probably like 19. Um, it's just your grips cause everything's a grip. So no matter what exercise you do for the most part, like you're holding something in your hand and honestly just my grip and forearm, I'd be like, Oh, it's so exhausting. So I think jujitsu is like that too. But now that you've lifted like your grips, unless you're focused on it, it probably doesn't really bother you that much because you've been picking up things for just, years. Just different. Like a, they ache differently. Now. Yeah. But uh, what'll be interesting f- for you and you, as you progress with lifting is your breathing. Yeah. You're right. Because you know, if you have to hold your breath for certain things, mm-hmm. when you lift where when you're rolling, I'm learning how that I have to breathe. So yeah. Yeah. Which is really an interesting. It's always hard. Like when I start from my feet, I still like, well, yeah. hold, like more in competition in class, but in co- like, I'm like, Oh, I'm fucking holding my breath. Yeah. Cause once it goes to the ground, I'm like, I was holding my breath the whole time. That's why I'm like out of breath. Yeah. So, Oh man. Yeah. The breathing's interesting. Swimming was good for me. Cause that's like a very pattern breathing. Right. Cause you have to learn how to like work a pattern of breath. Cause you don't want to breathe every stroke. It like takes away mm-hmm. some of your like speed. Right. When you guys um, first started the school and then when you mixed in with Trevor, was there a culture that you wanted to have? And so you guys cultivate, tried to not think really. about cultivate that? Not really. No. I don't, I think it just kind of happened. Um, in the beginning, like mo- we were pretty fortunate because I'd say usually schools have like pretty high turnover rate. Um, and that's why the joke's like once you get blue belt, you'll quit. Right. That, I think that happens less and less, but it's still like a stereotype that's out there for a reason. And it's kind of like, it's like getting a bachelor's degree or something. It's like, okay, I got this degree. Like, do I really want to go get a PhD or a master's? Like, right. do I love it that much? Like studying whatever you're studying. So I think for a lot of people, you know, they hit that milestone and blue belt is like, you know, it's a big deal. And then once they get it, they're like, you know, a lot of things happen for one. It's like a long ways till purple. Um, and the skill discrepancy between like, a blue, a purple, and a brown is still pretty high, but as a blue belt, you know, you probably handle most white belts. Right. But over time, you're like, is it something you want to stick with? And I think that's what happens is like they reach that and they're like, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, that happens a lot. I mean, I've known so many people over the years that just quit. I mean, I have known a few that stopped at brown belt um, for whatever reason, but it was just something like you would be like, why would you do that? 
I mean, I get it. Like it happens, but, uh, but I think most people get to that like higher belt, but as far as like culture, um, it just kind of grew in, I think like my personality, Heidi's personality and Trevor's personality, like you influence the culture of the school. Mm -hmm. So if people don't like you as an instructor, they're not going to pay or they shouldn't pay to come and train at your school. Yeah. I mean, cause it's not like college where you have to, like if someone doesn't like Trevor in his, uh, biology class, they have to take that biology class when, you know, you've taken classes, yeah. but if someone doesn't like me as an instructor at the school here, they don't have to come, you know what I mean? Right. So I think whatever culture is there, it's like an offshoot of our personalities. And then of course, like as you grow in students, like they influence the culture too. Right. That's true. Cause yeah, now we have like a mixture of people. Like there's certain people you talk to more than others. So you look at like when Alvin or Carl, um, like when they're in a class or something like it's, you know, the environment is different or whatever mm -hmm. and they've influenced like that culture and they're, yeah. they're extroverts. They talk a lot. Yeah, man. Us extroverts. We just can't Fucking shut up. Oh, you're an extrovert. Up. I know. Right. I can't shut up. I know. It's so weird. It's why I love jujitsu. See, I'll talk like on the podcast because it's like, you know, religion, yeah. jujitsu, yeah. sci-fi. It's so, something interesting. But if you're like, hey, how's the weather? I'm like, I don't care, Give bro. Like small talk is tough, dude. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I can do small talk, right? But I'd rather get into the- You're probably on the fence. The meat. On what? Like extroversion. No, I'm a, I'm a like you? a 90 yeah like you'll be amped up after this i'll go home and take a nap fuck yeah i'll be totally and probably psyched. i'll be like this is probably awesome probably drink something yeah, it's so emotionally draining yeah. <laughs> drink some whiskey <laughs> yeah something keto something. we have to go to that uh well, well vodka's not keto what's what's yeah, a vodka is any hard liquor if it's 40 proof or 40 percent oh okay 40 so percent is 80 proof or whatever okay just don't mix it with anything <laughs> coke zero coke zero but that's still it's gross i know yeah, I like beer, so carb day's tomorrow. Carb day. Oh my god. You think you're gonna make one ninety five? I don't know, bro. Always a challenge. Yeah, one ninety five I'll make. I gotta look at it though. Is it one ninety five? Because what's yours? Are you doing two oh five? Two oh five, yeah. I gotta see what the next one. It might not be one ninety five. Because sometimes in the bigger categories it can be ten or fifteen pounds. Oh, uh, so it could be one ninety five I could do it could be one ninety. Fuck, I haven't been 190 since I can remember. Shit, I haven't been two I was two seventeen this morning. Yeah. I haven't been 217 in, like, on a, just walking around 217 in five. Can you tell years. a difference? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can sure. usually feel, like, I feel a little faster. and Yeah. Especially if I've been eating, like, shit. Like, if I have beer and pizza, like, if I do that on a Friday night and come train on a Saturday, like, I, I won't feel as good. Really? If I, I, if I, I think it's, like, my joints. Well, yeah. If I have gluten, my joints are a little yeah. jacked up. Fucking like old have, person I, podcast. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> I peed. I peed a little when I was rolling the other night. <laughs> oh man! Um, but a lot of times carbs are good the night before, and then you can you roll. Yeah, you if it's good, like a good, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like fruity pebbles, man. Those are yeah. great carbs to have. Because fruity pebbles are what corn, uh, rice, rice, rice so and it's sugar. No, yeah, it's not like gluten. Yeah. If that bothers you, yeah. So. All right, man. Well, let's wrap it up. All right, bro. I'm going to have to have you come on again and get into some other deep Yeah, we'll shit, talk so. about our religious backgrounds. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Thanks for ha coming on. Appreciate All right. it. All right. Peace. Remember, perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Later.